What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sports Card Show program. Now in its 12th season, bringing you hobby, entertainment, news, and uh, whatever else we decide to talk about here on the Sports Card Show program. If you have a topic idea, you can send me a check for the price of an Amazon stock, and I'll gladly discuss uh, your topics. But other than that, we will do the selection. On today's show, we are joined by Ryan, who is at Sports Card News on Twitter. He just returned from the Tops, what do they call this thing? Industry Conference. So, uh, Ryan, let's uh, let's first discuss. I think I saw some people, they didn't even know what the heck this conference was. Maybe uh, briefly uh, describe to the audience here what this conference is all about. Uh, and where it was and all that. Okay, they've been doing this for, I want to say, maybe three years. There used to be the big industry summit that, if you're a long-time uh, listener to this podcast or frequent the website, then then you might know some of the history behind the industry summit and when that used to be a big event. And then um, card companies like Upper Deck and... Uh, tops have decided to break off and do their own conferences. So for the last couple years I've gone, it's been in Arizona. Last year I lived there. I no longer live there anymore, but uh, good opportunity to go back. Um, it's held at a casino in Chandler, which is probably about 25 minutes if you've ever flown into the airport in Phoenix, uh, 25 minutes south. So Anybody, as, as far as I know, anybody can attend this event. There's a sign up on the TOPS website, the industry event. And I think if you sign up early, it's $250. I, I think if you sign up a little later, it might be $300. I think I signed up a little late this year. So I think I, I paid 300 bucks. And you show up in Arizona. Um, you've got to pay for your flight or how you get there and hotels and all that stuff. But um, you show up and for three days, well, the first day is kind of a meet and greet cocktail party. Monday and Tuesday, kind of a, a deeper dive into the different products that Top sells from baseball to Star Wars to MLS to Bundesliga soccer to uh, GPK to some of their entertainment brands. Um, so you kind of get a deep dive into people who represent those brands, people who uh, uh, somebody who represents Star Wars, somebody who represents MLS, usually somebody in the marketing or, or that aspect or uh, branding of the the league. And you get insight into the league and maybe a little bit about the products themselves. Tuesday, or the last, really the last day of the conference, is a little more interesting. Um, you get a deeper dive into products that Tops makes, and, and it's the Tops employees and the brand managers and the marketing people themselves talking about the business, talking about certain products, opening it up for discussion and Q and A from dealers. It's about, I would say, about two hundred and fifty, maybe three hundred people, maybe less than that, maybe it's between 200 and 250 people in the room, um, dealers, distributors, uh, shop owners, uh, breakers, probably 20, 25 group breakers, um, there to just meet and uh, learn about tops, uh, create relationships, um, ask questions if you need to, get some free stuff. I certainly came home with 
maybe uh, as much as three, four hundred dollars in uh, free stuff from Tops that uh, that I'm sure I'll sell or keep or or what have you. You get to meet uh, certain athletes. Last year, the uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., the big star of the Padres, I met him. Christian Yelich, the MVP of the Milwaukee Brewers, he was at Top Golf and met him this year. Joe Adele of the Angels, who was quite impressed with your Rolex. Maybe we'll we'll get into that a little bit and. Um, Chris Bryant was at the axe throwing event, but I didn't go to that this year. I had some other plans in Arizona. Again, I used to live there. So what was happening after the conference was actually uh, as equally as important as what was going on during the conference. But uh, I think it's a good event. If you're a a shop owner, a prospective shop owner, a group breaker, uh, small or big, I think it's something if if you're able to come out, if it's affordable, um, I used to live in Arizona, so Arizona in February, I would highly recommend it to anybody. You've got spring training going on if you want to stay a little bit and watch a game. And uh, the conference, again, I think is is worth it to at least attend once. Um, I would say the content from this year to last uh, last year to this year is a, almost virtually the same conference. Um, so I think it would be something, though, to attend once and then gauge from your own business perspective, your own interest level, if you want to return again. But I would highly recommend anybody coming, um, if they do it again next year, which they probably will, I would highly recommend, uh, again, if you're kind of in that classification, you want to get into the business, you are in the business, you have a shop, breaker, dealer, whatever, I would uh, recommend doing it. Yeah, and it probably depends on where where you're at. You know, if you're on the East Coast, um, flying in from you know, Virginia or Ohio or something like that. I mean, I'm not a a geographic wizard here, but I can imagine those flights are a little bit longer. Um, And I don't know if they're they're easy to book or not, but out here on the West Coast, getting a flight into uh, Arizona is not uh, difficult at all. It's not particularly expensive either. You could even, I mean, if you felt like driving, you could could even drive. Um, So, you know, like you said, I think, uh, for me, I've not not attended this event. I thought about it. Uh, I've got two young kids, so uh, th- you know those those thoughts come and go pretty quick. Uh, but um, you know, I think based on the free stuff that I saw you get, uh, and I put free in air quotes. I mean, you're paying paying to be there, a hotel and all that stuff costs money. Um, based on what you get, based on some of the the relationships that you might uh, develop and things like that. Um, Certainly, like you said, probably would definitely be worth it, especially if you're out here on the West Coast or in the the middle of the country. If you're an East Coaster, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you you know, you might want to plan out a little bit further in advance, maybe get a better rate on a hotel or or, or really uh, save some money uh, to make it really worth it. Get those cards on eBay. I think I saw people, I guess the hotel keys had uh, um, baseball players on them and people were selling their hotel, already putting the the hotel key on eBay. Uh, so people trying to get great idea. every last, uh, every last drop out of, uh, it's a great idea. Of the, yeah, no, somebody before the conference <laughs> is even over had their, had their, you could just keep going back down to the desk and be like, I lost my key. I lost my key. I lost my key and get like 300 of them. Well, like, that's yeah. a good, that's actually, sec- well, that's a great I'm idea. sure somebody will do that next year and, uh, you, you know, ruin it for everybody else. But, uh, <laughs> Or they'll put uh, they'll put somebody less valuable on there. Uh, so yeah, um, 
I think it's worth it. Told, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, I think it's worth. Now, if you you know, if you're Joe Joe collector, and you know, all you do is go to Target and, and buy a blaster or two every week, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think. That, I think you'd have more fun personally. I think somebody like that would have more fun at a uh, one of the major card shows, or it's the national or the. Uh, I think a Fanatics has one, and uh, TriStar has them, and and there's a few of them. You know, up in Canada, there's one. So, I, you know, I would personally, I think you'd have more fun there. But if you are wanting to get into the business, if you're casually in the business, thinking about building it up a little bit more, certainly something uh, you know you can you can get involved with. Um, let's kind of run down. Uh, you know, I've got the you did a live blog on our website, SportsCardRadio.com. And um, I'm going to start with, um, you know, it looked like Joe Adele was there. And yes. um, talk about maybe, you know, people listening to the show are, are interested in these athletes and uh, the prospects, especially like him. I don't even know if he's played uh, in the major leagues yet. Um, you know, talk about uh, just the process of, of meeting somebody like that or, or you know, what, what, what's that all like? Uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of times when I meet like the two guys last year, Fernando Tatis and Krista Yelich, I didn't get a picture with them because it's just, you know, taking a picture with another man and he's got a long line of people. It's just, you know, not something that I really value. If it was Eddie Vedder, if it was Buster Posey, or if it was, you know, somebody like that, then, then I'd, I'd probably try to stand there all day and take pictures with them. But, um, so Joe Adele comes in again, a, a guy I'm not too familiar with. I've, I've seen him play a couple times in the fall league. I want to say for sure. I, I definitely remember it had to have been in the fall league. That's because like you said, he hasn't, I don't think he's played much in the big leagues and I've seen him in person. It's a little bigger in, in person, um, than I remember him on the ball field, but he's a big time prospect supposedly for the angels. And I was watching him sign autographs. They're very, very nice guy, very amicable guy, and and I saw that he had a gold watch on, and I was like, you know what? I don't usually get pictures with other men, but I I feel like I'm just gonna go up there and be like, hey, can we take a picture of uh you know the of us and the watches? So sure enough, we're up there, and actually, I gotta send you this this picture of of us kind of looking at the watches, like before we actually like start taking pictures. Like the girl from Tops was really good; she would like just start snapping pictures right when you handed her the phone. She was like, "Bop bop 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 bop." I have like fifteen twenty pictures of me and Joe Adele, and one of them is me kind of being like, "Hey, can we can we can we show the watches?" And it's kind of us like looking at our watches and shit. So it's kind of <laughs> tight. And so we take the picture, right? And then I, I I'm like, "Hey." I'm like, what kind, of, what kind of watches do you like? And he's like, he's like, you know, I kind of like bigger watches, like really big watches. And so I'm like, I'm like, hey, check out my, check out my Rolex Daytona. And he, he looks at me in the face. He's, he's, he's much taller than, I'm like maybe six foot, 5'11", 6 foot. He's probably like 6'3", 6'2", 6'3". He looks down at me dead in the face. He looks at my wrist. Then he looks at me again. And then he looks at the wrist again, grabs my wrist, pulls it up to the, his face so that he could look at the Rolex. He looks back at me. He's like, you ain't playing. You're not playing. Get out of here. He's like, get out of here with this. He signs my card and then he hands me the card. He's like, get out of here. <laughs> He's just laughing and stuff, just laughing. We were just having a good time with it. So he was just a really uh, nice guy. I saw him have like super positive interactions with like a lot of different people. And he was just happy to be there and uh, 
just seemed like a nice guy. And I just thought it was kind of a funny moment. And, you know, normally I wouldn't take a picture with another man, but I saw he had, that, he had a really nice big gold watch. And I was like, well, that this would be kind of funny to take a picture of the watches and then also be like, hey, check out, check out my watch. <laughs> so... That was cool. I think that's always fun. Chris Bryant was at the axe throwing event. I I missed that. I had some um, some uh, extracurricular activities to attend to that evening. It would have been fun to to meet Chris Bryant again. It's somebody who I seen playing college, seen in the fall league, and met at the 2017 Tops Transcendent Party, which we'll actually be talking a little bit about that going on this podcast. So it would have been nice to meet, see him again. And I probably would have took a picture with him because uh, I have I actually have a picture with him and I'm probably like 30 or 40 pounds heavier. So it actually would have been good to get a picture of him and be like, damn, I lost a lot of weight. I could like compare the two pictures. So um, he was at the ax throwing event. So again, a big, big, you know, uh, star that you literally could have went up and had some some interaction with another reason to come to an event if you came to the event you could have met joe adele and chris bryant i mean so just that alone yeah, could be worth cool. the 300 dollars and trip so they don't tell you ahead of time who's coming um so you couldn't you know if you're a cubs fan you're like fuck i'll just go and watch chris you know just so i can meet chris bryant for 300 bucks and go to spring training you know what i mean like that would be worth it you know what i mean if i could oh, meet yeah. eddie vetter for 300 bucks i would fucking you know run to the atm so uh, just kind of another cool thing. I think that's, it, I think it's a cool thing. For, oh, and the thing is, is I didn't go to the ax throwing thing, but Tops is cool. They, they still get Chris Bryant to sign a card and I still got an autograph card of Chris oh, Bryant cool. that I would have got if I was there. So I actually really appreciate that. Cause you know, it was like, damn, I, you know, I just had other things to do, things more important for me to go to. And it was like, but I still got the autograph the next day. So that, that was a cool thing. That's cool. And, you know, like you said, uh, you know, not only are you getting kind of the experience, you're getting uh, some quote unquote free stuff. Um, you're learning some things, building some relationships. But like you said, you get to meet uh, you know, someone like Joe Adele, uh, Chris Bryant, some guys that you might not, um, you know, for $300 to meet. Would you say Christian Yelich was there too? So last year, yeah. Oh, last yeah. year. I see. So. You know, for three hundred dollars to be able to meet two baseball players that are very popular, uh, not only he in, was a really nice guy too. Yeah, yeah, and then not only in baseball, but these guys are pop, really popular in in the collecting world. Um, you know, that's to me that that's uh, obviously if you're a baseball fan, that would be uh, an attractive thing uh, to to the conference um, itself. So yeah, that's cool. Um, Let's talk about. I'm kind of scrolling through the blog here. Um, it looks like you said the conference was sold out. I don't think that's a that's a surprise, but I I don't know if it seemed like you could buy a spot into it pretty late. It's not like some conferences oh, yeah. where you like when they announce the conference, you better be in there within a week or two signing up, otherwise it sells out. Like it seems like. They let the sales go for a while, and then maybe they just and then call say it it's sold out. out. Yeah, <laughs> right. So you know, it's one of those things where, like, even if you're kind of on the fence when they announce it la- next year, and I can totally, you know, I 
I can understand. Maybe you have kids, maybe it's a, a long flight, maybe you have a job or something like that, or you're not really sure you want to go. Well, they'll, they can announce it. You can kind of get a date set. You can, you know, run it by your wife and, and, and maybe coordinate some things. And then, you know, you don't have to jump on it uh, right away. Um, although the more we pimp it, the more we pub it, maybe uh, maybe those things will will change. I know that the industry summit set uh, set uh, attendance records several years in a row uh, when we were basically uh, you know bobbing our head on on its dick for a while, uh, and then when we stopped, uh, nobody ever heard of the industry summit anymore. So <laughs> the card companies started creating their own summits. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they realize how how stupid they were there. Um, let's go into some of the products. I think that's what uh, people are going to be interested in a little bit here. I think there was like uh, Alan and Gin, some of the new, I mean, every year Tops comes out with kind of the, uh, you know, the Series 1, Series 2, Heritage, Allen and Ginter, uh, uh, Bowman, Bowman Chrome, Tops Chrome, those kind of things. Everybody knows that. But it looked like this year there was going to be an Allen and Ginter Chrome. We haven't even had Allen and Ginter regular yet, but we're going to have Allen and Ginter Chrome. I think there was also a stadium... Stadium Club, Stadium Club Chrome, Chrome update, update, I think. Which I want to say they've done. I, I know in the past, I remember like a like a fancier version of Stadium Club or a Stadium Club update or something. I'm talking about years and years and years ago. Right. Um, I do too. So there was something like that, I, I as I recall. I could be wrong. Um, so talk about that. Any Any insight into those sets? Well, I, somebody even followed up with the Allen and Ginter Chrome. Like, do you have any more information? All he said was, it's coming out. It's going to be hobby only. And that was, like, basically it. And somebody even followed up and was like, can you give more information? He was like, no. They showed a slide of the Stadium Club, uh, Stadium Club Chrome update. So people will be able to know the price point and all that. And that will probably get solicited pretty soon. Top's Pro debut, I think, is getting added a jumbo box. Oh, cool. Um, it seems like it's, uh, a couple people mentioned, I think the group breakers like the jumbo configuration because it's easier to kind of manage and, 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 and do breaks that way. But also kids, a, a hobby shop guy was like, specifically mentioned that kids are fascinated with the jumbo pack because it's like they just see it. And they can see, wow, for whatever, 5 or $10 or whatever it costs, I can get this many cards. Yeah. As opposed to even a $3 pack, you know, where you only get 12 cards or whatever. So I think you'll probably see Tops do more jumbo configurations, especially on their popular brands or things that are a little more mass-consumed, the, the Bowmans and the Tops and the, the Tops Pro debut, which I guess is doing pretty good right now. So you, you'll see that. I think Top Sterling, I think, is coming back, which maybe is a new kind of thing uh, as well. Not a whole lot of color and information on the products compared to last year, in my opinion. Like, I remember last year, they even start, broke out down all the release dates for the different products. They are coming out with a Transcendent Tennis version, which because they recently got some kind of tennis license. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out or gets any kind of traction at all. They got an XFL license now. They're going to be products for that. And they kind of pushing that they've got the NHL sticker license or whatever. But, but with the baseball line, it seemed like the biggest news and the kind of the biggest juice was this Allen and Ginter Chrome, which again, not a whole lot of detail or color behind it aside from hobby only. And it's coming out later this year. 
And, uh, you know, production, as far as production-wise, it looked like this year's 2020 Series 1 was up about 10% compared to last year. In terms, of, I know people kind of interested about how much more they make per year and, and so on and so forth, but it looked like a little up from, from this year. So I thought the presentation on their products this year was a little weaker. But all those slides, or most of them, probably 90 95% of them are on SportsCard Radio, the live blog, and I also posted them on Facebook. If you can't see them that well, on Facebook, there should be a cleaner, kind of bigger version that you can kind of blow up and maybe see some of the details. They, they gave some pricing information, a little more detail on the Stadium Club Chrome and, and some of the other products. And they dipped into the Star Wars and the entertainment stuff and the GPK and the Bundesliga Soccer and the MLS and stuff. I feel like this audience probably isn't, you know... They don't need to hear us, you know, run down a Bundesliga sell sheet, but um, <laughs> that information's out there now. And as prior, I don't know if all that inform- all that stuff has been solicited and if those sell sheets are out there and that information. So, um, and yeah, maybe a side discussion. You know, I know there's been a lot of talk uh, lately about it. Are we, you know, are we in Junk Rocks era part two? And um, you know, just anecdotally for myself, I can get a full allocation of Series 1. It actually came later this year. I I've, I missed my pre-order with it, so I didn't get any. And then he called me and said, do I want a case? I said, yeah. So I ended up with a case of Series 1. Um, I can usually get a case of Series 2. Uh, this year I didn't, um, so I don't know what that says about Series 2. Um, I can get a case of Big League all day. I can get a case of Opening Day all day. Um, that's it. Uh, everything else... I, you know, I'm not in there fighting tooth and nail for this stuff. Um, I think if I bugged my sales rep a little bit more, I could, I could potentially get more of this stuff. But I, I don't, and I remember in the 80, you know, 89, 90, 91, 92 era, you could go to Rite Aid, you could go to your grocery store, you could go to Toys R Us, you could go to the hot dog stand and they'd have freaking cards uh, for sale, Okay. It is tough to find a pack of cards these days, okay? I know my Walmart, it's not like I go to Walmart very often, but uh, the Walmart in my town doesn't have cards. Um, You know, I was at Target the other day. They didn't have, you know, they they didn't have anything other than kind of, uh, you know, your standard fare of cards. So it's not easy. And and obviously card shops are are fairly, fairly few and far between these days. So I think personally, um, it's less about how many cards they're making, uh, because think about how much more popular baseball has gotten. Um, you know, if we're going to single out one sport, uh, especially the NFL, I mean, the NFL, uh, has gotten exponentially more popular over the last 25, 30 years. Um, baseball, not quite as much. Uh, but baseball has gotten more popular. There are more fans of the game of baseball now than there was 25, 30 years ago. So, um, you know, j- just given that, uh, you know, obviously, I, I just don't see, um, I-, I don't see a lot of parallels between the-, the 80s and 90s and 91, 92, all the way into the early 2000s. I personally, I don't see a lot of parallels between uh, now and-, and back then. Um, you know, I think a lot of people on Twitter and, and longtime collectors, they're stuck in the past. They're nostalgic. I mean, half these guys, all they do is sell on eBay. I mean, I can't tell you how many guys are, oh, I've never heard a check on my cards. I've never bought a, I've never bought a card on there. I don't know how to use it. It's like, you know, uh, hello, hello, hello. It's not 1999 anymore, guys. 
eBay is not the number one place to sell and buy cards anymore. Okay, period. Okay, there's a lot of other places now that you can buy and sell cards. So I personally don't uh, think we're, we're, we're at any danger of exceeding, uh, you know, supply kind of exceeding demand. If, if anything, uh, I think they can make more of this stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know what that would do to uh, the content in the boxes and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, for me, and I think breakers and other dealers out there would agree with me that, you know, if we could get another case or two of every single product, we we could sell it, I you know, and I don't know if collectively if we all got an extra case or two, what that would do to demand. But uh, I, I certainly think uh, there's plenty of de- demand out out there for this stuff. Absolutely, and the tops GM kind of alluded to some of that that he took a peek at some of the old print run numbers from the '80s and '90s, supposedly. I think he even said that they could have like a 500 percent increase on the whole shebang and it wouldn't even get there or something crazy, like a crazy, crazy number. Uh, in my opinion, the people on Twitter and the some of the hardcore guys are just delusional and uh, just don't have enough self-awareness about their own collecting habits and their own interest level in the hobby to think that we're anywhere close to what happened was in the 80s and 90s. I mean, that's just a complete lack of perspective and uh, kind of shows an ignorance to the level of business. I mean, we're not even anywhere close. I mean, you could fucking find cards everywhere back in the day. Everywhere. Every liquor store, every 7-Eleven, every fucking convenience store, every fucking store had cards for 25 cents, 50 cents a dollar on up and through the baseball strike in 1994 or whatever that was. So, you know, that's completely ridiculous. We're not even anywhere near that. Not even anywhere near that. They could do a million card rip party damn near every day and you're still not even anywhere close to what it was like back in the 80s and early 90s. So, yeah. So if you believe the Topps GM, he even looked at some of the numbers, and you know, you're not even close to any of that. No, and I actually believe him. I saw some people that were skeptical about it, but I actually, um, you know, I can totally believe that um, because, like I said, cards were everywhere. You could go to, you know, any convenience store, any kind of store like that, and, and they had cards. Um, you know, that, that is not the case anymore. Okay. It's actually fairly difficult and not to mention there were two or three card shops in every town. Okay. You know, I'm I'm the, we grew up in Stockton. There were two or three, maybe even four card shops in town. Okay. That, you know, now there are uh, probably none. So, um, you know, so on top of the card shops that were getting, getting cards that, that, you know, the Rite Aid and the, you know, whatever, you know, the, Piggly Wiggly or whatever it is, uh, had carts. And that is not the case anymore. That is, that is not even anywhere close to, to what is happening uh, these days. So it is actually relatively difficult, if you think about it, if you wanted to buy a pack of every product that came out, you know, how difficult would that be? I'm not talking about Transcendent and some of the, the you know, triple threads or something that's, you know, $200 a pack, basically. Um, you know, to get a pack of this stuff is not uh, pr- particularly easy for, um, you know, a vast, vast majority of the people listening and the people in this community. So I think we're a ways, um, you know, I think we're a ways from oversaturating uh, the market and things like that. 
Let's talk a little bit about marketing. Um, I think you had some thoughts on this. I think they brought up Lululemon, uh, who I don't recall. I don't know if I've seen a lot of Lululemon marketing. He also brought up Tesla, who I, again, I don't think markets doesn't run any uh, advertising, which is interesting. Um, but I, I have a strong, you know, I have strong feelings about, about marketing. I, I, you know, we talk about uh, on the show, we'll talk about Rolex. We'll talk about Mercedes. Um, I, I happen to watch a, a fair amount of golf, um, when Tiger Woods is, is, is playing and what advertisements do I see the most? I see Mercedes and Rolex. And I think both of, both of those companies do a tremendous amount of job advertising. Okay. Rolex doesn't make a watch, you know, you wore the Daytona all week. Uh, how well did that thing keep time? Okay. The damn (laughs) motherfucker cost uh, $13,000 and it doesn't even keep time. So, um, and I got a Mercedes and I can, I can talk about 10 things that I don't like about it. But what I do like about those brands is they create a, uh, uh, you know, there is a, like a, you know, there's a prestige to having or wearing a Rolex. There's a prestige, of, of driving a, a Mercedes. Um, and not everybody buys into that. Not everybody, that's not important to everybody. But we're talking about baseball cards. You would think that these uh, card companies, again, I don't expect them to be on the level of Rolex or Mercedes, um, but you'd think there'd be some cultivation of uh, some branding and some brand image uh, there and and maybe discuss uh, discuss some of the marketing stuff that you 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 saw and observed. They, well, they it's interesting. They bring kind of a key, quote keynote speaker up that is kind of goes around. He's probably like a speaker, and he goes around and he talks about kind of general marketing. But he's not a baseball card guy. So I always think it's kind of interesting that both years they've brought up somebody that talks kind of generally about marketing and trends and kind of themes, but he's not, he's not a sports card guy. So, you know, I thought, I thought some of his points were good. I, I, I probably would have challenged him on some points, but how that really applied to each individual business or each individual person in the room. Again, if he looked at our website and we're putting the name and faces of people on our website, he'd probably look at that and, you know, that's not that's not a traditional form of marketing. That's not a traditional form of uh, a way to brand yourself. But I think, you know, people could take little, little nuggets and little, you know, what I took is when he mentioned Lululemon, he talked about the in-store experience. Again, that's probably not a company that advertises that much, but the in-store experience can be kind of unique and probably the way they train employees um, might be a little different than some other stores. In regards to Tesla, I think he just kind of mentioned, again, more the market cap of the company without any type of advertising. The fact that now it's, you know, the, the biggest car maker besides Toyota in terms of market cap without any type of traditional or direct marketing. And again, I think probably taught, you know, the buying a Tesla is certainly different uh, or can be different than buying most traditional cards through a dealership um, or some kind of way like that. Um, You know, he talked about being authentic, uh, things that I, I, you know, I don't see a whole lot, a lot of that in the sports card community. I think a lot of, a lot of the stuff you see is 
fake, is cookie cutter, is trying to sell you something, is not original, is bland. Uh, you know, because you, I mean, I mean, you could go to any group breakers Twitter feed or Instagram feed, and you know, you pretty much know what you're going to see. Their hits, then probably advertising a break. Uh, I mean, what else? What else do these guys show? They don't. Do they really take you behind the curtain? Do they have any kind of unique content? Do they, you know, anything that kind of draws you in? Oh wait, the sticker on the one touch. Oh, the, yeah, that's a good, yeah, and the mouse pad. They always make sure they got, like, the little pad and make sure they take the picture so their logo's showing and the Twitter, Instagram, and duh, duh, this, and they make sure you hashtag this person and tag this person. I mean, it's all very, very cookie cutter. It's all very, very much the same. One group breaker's marketing strategy is exactly the same as the other. Not right. There's not a whole lot of variation. Card shops, individual card shops, how they market themselves. Again, that's probably going to be dependent upon where you are, your individual location, who you're trying to bring in, your clientele, what's around you, um, and what's available to you to use both online using advertising there, social media, your website, and then also some form of, you know, there might be some direct ways. One card shop owner was talking about building relationships. He had like a uniform supplier that was down the street for him that supplied all the uniforms for the little league team. So he kind of partnered with him and they do some kind of co-op advertising where, you know, uh, when the, when the family picks up the uniform, they get a coupon to the uniform place for another uniform. And then there's a coupon for the baseball card shop to get a free pack of cards and so forth. So there's some ways, there's some unique ways to promote advertising. Yeah. I thought that was a really good idea. I think people, you know, are so, you know, so, so much thinking about online and marketing yourself online and through social, whereas there's still so many direct ways where you can build relationships with people, build relationship with other local businesses who may be, you know, they're obviously a uniform supplier, a literally uniform supplier ain't, ain't selling baseball cards, but gosh, that's like the gateway to, you know, little kids who, and this guy does part, this particular hobby shop guy does, I think, parties and group parties, and that's a segment of his business is actually you can come into the card shop for X amount of dollars and we'll host a party. That's and a good here's idea. Here's this food. And you feel me? That's a really good idea. And I think he even moved into a new place where he can have bigger parties and kind of more of a... a entertainment feel yeah. and uh, like a ball pit or something like that, you know, where it can be a real party, but also his baseball cards involved in that business and so forth. So there's some way, you know, there are ways, again, it's all going to be dependent on what type of business you have and then, you know, what's around you to be able to utilize. Everybody can utilize o- online and social and that environment um, freely, but depending on where you are, there might be certain ways, certain businesses you can partner with, certain, uh, you know, you can get a listing in a newspaper and maybe, you know, everybody reads that newspaper. I don't know what it is or a coffee shop that everybody goes into. I know there's a coffee shop here in town that, man, you know, if I was trying to advertise, I'd just try to, you know, get a sign on the building or get them to, you know, get my, uh, you know, the little slips they put on coffee cups or something to get my, get my logo on there or something like that. And now all of a sudden I'm getting exposed to all these different people. If you were looking for that type of clientele. So, so, you know, so this year they didn't have as many last year. They have more uh, hobby shops and dealers actually give kind of firsthand information and details about their business and what works for them and what doesn't. I thought that was really useful this year. They didn't do as much as that. It was more kind of the corporate, 
here's the MLS guy, here's the Bundesliga guy, here's the Star Wars guy, here's the MLB guy, blah, 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 blah. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. Um, but I th- I, by and large, I think people are utilizing marketing way more, especially online, than they were in the past. Even some of the older shops, some of the older dealers, some of the guys you wouldn't think w- would be into it uh, have have you know, are aware of it and probably have taken advantage of some things. So I think that's a positive step. I would urge anybody listening to this that does have their own business, try to find ways to make yourself stand out and be unique and push the envelope because that's what can really set you apart and really make your brand, uh, you know, stand out uh, from the others. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, every you could go to every single Group Breakers page right now, and it's exactly the same. It's like they all copy each other. It's like exactly the same. Whereas I think c- certain card shops can have a little different strategy and a different. They kind of have a feel for their local area, and they kind of, you know, maybe have that theme, a little southern theme or a kids theme, or kind of a wherever they're located. It, it feels like that kind of area. Feels like that kind of card shop, and kind of has that kind of homey feel to it, but. I think I would just urge people to be more unique, try to stand out, do things different. Don't think that just because Joe Blowbreaker is doing that and he's, quote, big or he, quote, has allocation, that that's the way to do it. Because, you know, maybe it's not the way to do it. You should you should try to stand out and and uh, and try to be better than that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like you said, uh you know, when you're a Rolex, when you're, uh, you know, a Mercedes or some of these companies, you can run these, uh, you know, advertisements on TV that are, are, are like other brands, you know. But if you want to stand out, if you want to be um, different, you know, that, then if you want to stand out, I think you have to bring something different to the table. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I can just think of a, a number of examples, but Donald Trump might be one of the best examples. Look how different this guy is. You know, look how differently he handles himself and handles the, the job of being a politician. Um, and look where it's gotten him. Uh, so, you know, there, you, you, not that you have to be um, extreme or negative or controversial or anything like that, but, um, you know, see... See that side of marketing too. That uh, you know, just playing it down the down the lane of you know, hey, I've got a got a giveaway here, a retweet con, uh, uh, you know, I got a retweet con uh, contest, or I've got a uh, you know this break uh, filling. I got four spots left in this break, or whatever it is. You know, like you said, these guys all do kind of the same thing. One guy starts razzing, they all started razzing. Uh, you know, one guy does breaks this way, they all start start doing it. Um, so it's kind of a copycat uh, thing. You know, one of the reasons why, and we'll talk about this here next, is one of the reasons why guys get their panties in a bunch a little bit, uh, ending up on sportscarradio.com, is because we do things differently here. People know who we are. People know what the website is. They know what's going on here. That's because it's done differently here than anywhere else, okay? We're not doing things here, and this is all intentional. We're not doing things on this site to try to be like some other website that already exists. So we do things differently here, and therefore, uh, people tend to take notice. One of those people, 
who is still burning, burning about you putting up an article. This was years ago. I don't know if you figured out the, the date of the article. I do. Uh, why don't you talk about your interaction with the owner of Blowout Sports Cards? This was just clearly one of the highlights for me for the, for the trip. And uh, why don't we go then the whole interaction with Thomas Please Fish, do. who is one of the owners of Blowout Sports Cards. And uh, so, again, I've, I've, got, I've got to give you the whole backstory before I lead into our interaction that was at the, uh, the, the 2020 uh, Tops Conference just two days ago. So, so Thomas Fish, again, owns Blowout Sports Cards, um, you know, huge, uh, one of the leading online kind of retailers and so forth. And you're probably, if you've, if you've paid and downloaded this podcast, you not only know of that website, but you've probably ordered off of it. So Thomas Fish, again, and not a guy I would know, not a guy who would know me or know my face back when um, I kind of first became familiar with him or had interaction with him. This was at the Topps Transcendent Party, the very first one they had, Janu- way back in January 2017. So we're talking about over three years ago. Fish had like 20 bracelets for this party on his wrist. I had one, and it was in uh, Henderson, not Las Vegas, Nevada that year. And this is when he probably, I knew who he was, but this is probably when Fish first became familiar with who I was. Because I was tweeting at the event that he had all these passes and it was a straight come up for him. And I think he didn't, he didn't really care that I was doing that, but he, he thought, I think that it was interesting that I was doing it and that I was getting attention for it. So... That was the first interaction I ever had with him. I think I briefly spoke to him there, and, and then we go on our way. Come April 2017, so almost three years ago, news that Blowout Sports Cards has been hacked comes, uh, comes out. And this was actually first reported on by, and this is very important to remember this, this was first reported on by Sports Collectors Daily, not our website, this was, I learned of the hack on Sports Collectors Daily in late April. I did not write an article about this until May 8th, 2017, so almost three years ago. But several weeks after Sports Collectors Daily wrote an article. I wrote an article because it was, it was kind of apparent that Blowout was kind of a little bit slow in reacting and taking care of things in regards to the hack. So I wrote an article. Fish saw it. He's commented on that article. And uh, again, that article is over three years old. So fast forward to 2018. Had no interaction with Fish uh, since that time, since he left a comment about his hacked website, I probably had forgotten about this. Again, we're talking about, you know, it had been a, a, almost over a year when there's, a, again, the, another tra- Tops Transcendent party, small group of people, maybe 60 people, 50 people in the room, Fish included. This is in Atlanta in 2018. And there were two different people who came up to me at the Transcendent party and was like, did you see Tom Fish just staring your ass down the entire night. And dead ass, honest to God, I was like, I did not. 
I, I, I didn't see him looking at me. I didn't feel intimidated. I was having a good time. Hank Aaron was there. I uh, came up on a whole bunch of nice stuff. And uh, no, I did not. But two different people at two different times was like, wow, Tom Fish was just dogging the shit out of you the whole time. I was like, wow, I, I, I didn't even notice that. I had, I, I had gotten over the fact that I wrote an article about his website being hacked that I learned about on another website that had wrote about it. So fast forward to the 2018 National Sports Collectors Convention. So again, probably about seven months after he's staring me down in Atlanta, I'm at the National Sports Collectors Convention. And every year uh, from 2012 to 2018, I would take videos at the National and post them on YouTube. And some of the most popular videos are me going around Block Cards, Dia Car World, Still City, or whoever's selling boxes, and just showing the prices and, and the inventory of the unopened wax that's available at the National. I think it's kind of a compelling video. People want to see that, especially if you're not there. Might even be fun to look back and see what was the wax prices, wax prices in 2012, 2013, 2014, right? And go back years later, 50 years later, those videos will still be still be up. You could see what these these products were selling for and what probably a good deal it all was. So I'm going around his table shooting his his videos. Again, I don't I don't tell people if I'm gonna do a negative hit piece on him, and I don't tell people if I'm gonna do a positive video about you or an article about you. I don't feel the need to do any of that. So I was going around his table doing a positive video showing his table and what his inventory and what he had for sale. And I was shooting all the, the, the box sellers, DA, Steel City, and blow. I was trying to do kind of one video where I showed all of them at once. And during the video, this video is on YouTube. You can go to it and watch it yourself. Fish comes up to me while I'm shooting his table and tells me, to get lost and stop shooting his table, which is fine. But, uh, you know, again, he, you know, he did this live on camera. So the next day when there was a bunch of people at his table, the next day at the national, I went by and asked him if he had fixed his hacked website yet to which I know that he didn't like that too much. So that was August, 2018. Again, quite a long time ago. I feel like Fast forward to February 2019, a year ago, at the last TOPS conference. This is the last time I'd seen Tom Fish. I think there was a moment where we saw each other in in the casino, and he kind of said something to me or wanted to talk to me, and I just kind of walked by him and just kind of smiled and laughed and and just probably wasn't in the mood to talk or didn't want to talk or was kind of over any kind of beef or anything that we had. And at one point there was a note that was left at my, where I was sitting at the conference last year that, that said Stockton is soft. And so I put that kind of up where I was sitting and when people would come down and talk to me or whatever, and they'd be like, what is that? I was like, I don't know. That was just, that was just sitting here. And a couple of the people were like, well, that had to have been fish who wrote that. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny. I thought, I I thought it was funny. Um, so 
as far as I know, that is the last, uh, yeah, that's the last interaction or last time I seen fish didn't go back to the national. So didn't have a chance to interact with him at the national or, the, or shoot his table or get run off from his table or anything and so forth. Didn't go to the transcendent parties. Um, cause those have gotten, uh, real expensive and, and oh, probably not worth going, uh, in, in some respects, uh, unless you wanted to meet the particular athlete. So fast forward to just a couple days ago in the hallways of the casino there in Chandler, Arizona. I had just smoked weed out in the Tesla in the parking lot. Sometimes I get high when I smoke, sometimes I don't. This particular time, I was about as high as I can get smoking weed. And I'm coming back inside to the casino to charge up my computer a little bit, which is really old and uh, needs to constantly be charged. And sure enough, there's Mr. Thomas Fish. Nobody else around. It's me, Tom Fish, walking down a hallway, looking right at each other. So I'm like, here we go. This is going to be fucking fun. So Tom Fish is visibly angry. And immediately starts going, you're garbage, you're trash, or you're garbage. So he says that three or four different times in kind of different variations, so on and so forth. And at this point, we kind of like are walking past each other, and I'm kind of going to set my stuff down because I'm going to use this little outlet that's sitting there. It's a little place to sit, and there's an outlet there. So we're kind of in this little hallway. And so he's kind of saying these things. And I'm like kind of high as balls. And I'm like almost, almost start to laugh. So I'm like, wow, he's really angry. And he's like, you're garbage. And so I kind of let him say, you know, those kind of things to me. And then I kind of look at him and I was like, why, why do you think that? And then he kind of goes into you and your sight. All He says, you and your sight, you don't write about any of the other sites that crash you are garbage. And so that, those are the, the, he said some other things, but that was specifically what I remember him saying. And I said, I looked at it, I looked at him and I said, you know, I wrote about, I wrote about tops in reference to tops getting hacked. And in fact, I've written about tops getting hacked twice. And in fact, if you just search sports card radio for like hacked or whatever, there's sev, there's been several websites that I've written about um, that have gotten hacked and that I, the group breaker site, uh, probably some other people's site, but the tops twice I've done. So, you know, I said, what I, I wrote about tops and fish at that point, he's kind of walking away to me, he, he, walking away. He continues to kind of walk away from me. He's like, you know, you're a joke. He continues to say, you're a joke. You're garbage. He probably said I was garbage, maybe at least 10 times. You're garbage. And, but what stuck out from me was he said, you don't write about any of the other sites that crashed. So I was like, what other sites? I was like calling out after him. I was like, what other sites? And then that, that was the end of our, um, that was the end of our interaction. So he was visibly angry, but, um, I wasn't. I never felt threatened. He wasn't coming up to me to beat me up or anything. I let him uh, speak his piece. In some respect, I, I respect him for saying something, 
There were other guys who are on the website who had opportunities to say something, who have said they were going to say something or snatch the Rolex or spit in my face and so on and so forth and had that opportunity and didn't. So in some respect, I, res- I, I, I do respect Fish for at least saying something and how he feels about me or how he feels about the website doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I thought it was, I thought it was a funny interaction. Um, it would be interesting to hear from his side what he thought of the interaction because I thought it was kind of funny. And I was amused by the whole thing. At no point did I feel threatened or feel like he was going to beat me up or any of that was going to happen. Um, and that's, that's where it was. I don't know why he's still mad after all these years. Again, I was the second website to write about his, his website getting hacked. Yeah. I learned about it because another website wrote about it. So maybe I've just done better marketing, getting my uh, information, my links, my clicks out there. Here we go. And on a three-year-old article, that's still getting mileage. So he, he probably doesn't understand my business that, you know, yeah, he doesn't make money off of products that he bought three years ago or that he bought and sold three years ago. I can still make money and get mileage and get branding, and get, quote, advertising, and get clicks, and get whatever the fuck I want out of shit I wrote three years ago. So that's my business. It's no knock to him. That's why when he said, hey, why don't you write about the other sites that crashed? Uh, Tom, I'm right here, bro. Email box is wide open. If you know about Steel City, DA, whoever getting hacked, let me know. I'll put them on the site, too. So I let him speak his piece. He was visibly angry. He was upset. He's still upset about it. It'd be interesting, you know, maybe we can talk about why he's upset or, you know, so, so on and so forth. But again, I didn't feel like he was going to beat me up or I didn't feel threatened or anything like that. And I respect him for, you know, he was the only guy who came up and said something. And how many times have we seen on Facebook in our messages on this and that, I'm going to come beat you up. We didn't have no private security guard. The Rolex was on the wrist the whole time. The Tesla was out in the fucking driveway. None of you guys, you know, a lot of these guys didn't come up and say anything. I don't need to talk to you. If you scammed people, if you've opened a card trimmer's product, if you've trimmed cards, if you haven't shipped base cards and a base heavy product, and you find that your name and face is on the website of Sports Card Radio, that's my move. If your website has gotten hacked and I've written about you, that's my move. I don't need to then come talk to you yeah. about it. I know your website has been hacked. I know you opened Will Jamate's uh, Heroes of Sport. I know you didn't ship base cards at the Million Card Rip Party. There's no other discussion for me. Now, if you want to come talk to me about it, that is fine. You can be a man and do that. And I will give you the time of day and the respect, the same respect that I gave Tom Fish. I didn't cut him off. I didn't get angry. I was amused more than anything. I would have sat there and still talked to him. He was the one who walked away and didn't want to talk anymore. I still had questions for him. But I do have respect that he at least got some things off his chest and said something about it. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to go to the national, probably not going to go to the transcendent parties. This might be one of the few and only and last opportunities for people to get an opportunity to get FaceTime with Sports Card Radio, with somebody from Sports Card Radio. Again, we're both very busy. We both have other interests. I had two people from my Beanie Baby site email me that thought I was ill or dead or where the fuck was I at? Because I haven't been over on my Facebook group uh, clowning and, and trolling the Beanie Babies community. 
and there were people that were seriously worried. So we have other interests, we have other things going on, and, you know, at least Fish took that moment, share his piece, I have no idea, why do you think he's, you know, why do you think he's still mad after all these years? Don't you think that's a little weird? I find it, I find it interesting, yeah, that he's still so hot about it, uh, and it, I mean, we're talking about years later, and um, I don't know, maybe it, it shows up in the search results. I can imagine, like, people... The only thing I can think of is, like, he can't still be burning up about it, you know, like, unless people have, have talked to him about it or it, it is it is cost him, I don't know if it's cost him a lot of business, but maybe it's caused him headaches, the fact that the article is still uh, prominently uh, positioned, maybe in search results or uh, in his mind. I, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Um, you know, I can't get in my head. I think in general, I think we found people are really sensitive in, in this hobby. You know, they, uh, you know, they get called out on something and, um, you know, it's not the image they, they want to, you know, they want to cultivate this kind of, um, you know, a, a different kind of image. And then when they get called out for making a business mistake for me, and that's really what it is. I mean, getting your, your website hacked is, it, it's not even necessarily a mistake. Every single website oh, will get hacked at, at one time or another to a, to a certain degree. Um, so it's not something that's uh, unique to blow out. Now, how you handle it afterwards uh, will often, um, you know, will often, uh, see what kind of business person that you are. And I think we, we took issue maybe with how they handled it or how they, they um, you know, handled it with customers following the hack. But, I mean, again, we're talking about something that happened three, three years ago, okay? So even if you were a victim of the hack or whatever and you got your credit card taken away or whatever, uh, it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. But obviously for him... He's still burning about it. He's still uh, upset about it. And uh, I, I just think it's a testament to, to what we do over at sportscardradio.com. Uh, you know, there's no other website. Like you said, there were other websites that reported on this. But um, we do it in a certain way that, uh, you know, may, might make it sting a little bit more than your average uh, blog that's pumping out five to ten articles a day and, uh, you know, you know, seven or eight or nine of them or all 10 of them are kind of, pl uh, you know, puff pieces and kind of uh, light in terms of uh, any kind of hard-hitting news. So, uh, you know, it's not like you sat down for three hours and wrote a, a well-researched and, and referenced article about this either. You know, my, my guess is it's probably a handful of sentences or paragraphs long, and, and that's about it. Um, so, you know, is it his right to be upset about it? Sure. Can he get upset in the hallway about it? Sure. I, I don't have, again, I don't, and like you said, there were guys, there's guys on our Facebook page and our Twitter feeds and this, that, and the other, and sometimes through email, um, that'll say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, if you try that on me, you know, you know, some real serious shit is, is going to happen. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I tend to avoid these events. I wouldn't have known what Tom, I, I, I honestly don't really think I know, would know what Tom Fish looked like. And so if some guy starts saying, I'm garbage, I'm garbage, uh, you know, uh, we would have been in Arizona where I think constitutional carry is legal, even inside a casino. 
So some shit might have went down. So it's probably better that these guys say this to you than uh, to me because I have a real quick temper. And if you start calling me garbage, this, that, and the other, um, you know, you might have a pistol pointed at you real quick. Um, so, uh, well, I was even thinking about, I was like, wow, if this was like normal interaction and I was walking down the street and somebody was calling me garbage, I was like, wow, I would have handled that and felt way different about that. Like the fact that I kind of knew going into it, I kind of braced myself. I was like, there's probably going to be at least one, maybe two, maybe three people who are on the website who are there and who are probably going to confront me or talk to me or want to talk to me about it. So I kind of, I was like, well, I'm, I'm fine with, I'm fine with that. Like they have every right to do that. I'll talk to them about that. I'll talk to them about whatever they want to talk about. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to make, you know, editorial decisions on my own. And, you know, there's 40, 50 people on the website at this point. There's 16, 17 card trimmers. There's 20 people that have kind of come and gone in a solved file. We have about nine or 12 uh, other active guys. We have about nine or 12 uh, bad breakers on the website now. We're literally running 40, 50 people deep. You know, it's hard to keep track of these guys. You know, Fish, I have a history with. I've been in small circles with him. He's uh, a little more recognizable than some of these other guys because he's, uh, I think he's bald and he wears these weird glasses. And, you know, he's kind of a weird looking guy a little bit. Um, and he's at all these events consistently. You know, he shows up kind of at all these things. So, right. you know, yeah, I was, I was even thinking to myself, I was like, wow, if that was you, you probably would have pulled the gun on his ass. Or, or flash, I don't know. So that's, I, you know, I would urge these guys, you know, if they ever come up to you, you know, to, to, to use a little more discretion because, uh, well, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, to give you guys a little bit of insight, I was on our website the other day uh, because I hadn't posted the last, I don't know, seven or eight podcasts that I had posted. I post them to Podbean, which sends it out to iTunes and all that, but I have not gotten over to our website and posted them on there. And we're talking about eight, seven, eight months of uh, of content that I have not posted. I mean, it was I think the first one I posted was like last uh, August or or September. So it's been several months since I've actually gone on there and posted an article. So yeah, that is some insight into you guys. I don't know. I, I'm not on. You know, I go to a lot of websites every day. Uh, sportscardradio.com is not one of them. I do. I would not know. Uh, I don't know the, all the names of these trimmers. I don't know the, what you guys look like. I don't know uh, what some of these group breakers and, and, and stuff like that that have different kind of beef with us. It, um, you know, if I'm at an event or if you see me out in public and you start calling me out, um, I'm, I'm just going to be real with you guys. Things might get real serious real quick. Uh, you know, because if I'm with my family or even if I'm just by myself, um, you know, from where we're from in Stockton, if somebody starts, you know, starts talking shit on you, it, it, they usually don't just want to walk away and, and have that be the end of it. Um, so just just a heads up out there. We're, we're twins. We look alike. Um, but. You know, I will handle things uh, maybe a little bit differently. That's one of the reasons why I choose not not to go to a lot of these events. Although it's more more family related than uh, I think if I was single and I had no attachment, I I'm, maybe I'd have time uh, to do more of these things. But um, yeah, I definitely would handle these things a little bit differently. If you're in my face saying I'm garbage, 
uh, you know, uh, I will, uh, you know, I'll make sure that you really mean that. And if that, if that's something you, you really want to, uh, um, if that's something you really want to say to me, so we'll, we'll just put it like that. Um, so that's interesting. He's still burning about, uh, <laughs> still burning about his website being hacked and being reported on. On sportsguardradio.com. That just shows you guys, you do not want to end up on the website um, for negative reasons, but for positive reasons, it's great. I tell you what, we've probably sent, uh, you know, tens and tens of thousands of business to uh, websites and, and uh, companies and things like that that we have supported and told you to check out. Uh, we started this show uh, talking about how this was uh, this was a, a conference that, that might be worth going to. Um Let's maybe move on to, I think, the group breakers. We can have a discussion. I think they had like a, it sounded like maybe they had like a roundtable or a discussion or something or a presentation, maybe a better way to put it, um, for the group breakers. I think it was towards the end of the conference. And uh, I think we could talk maybe broadly as well about uh, their position in the hobby. And uh, if we weren't so lazy here on the show, we could bring up uh, old episodes that we that we recorded many, many years ago. We're probably talking about five, six, seven years ago about uh, their position in this hobby and how uh, they really find themselves exactly where we thought they would be. So maybe talk uh, uh, broadly about uh, the group breaker discussion. Yeah, I thought that was one of the more interesting things of the uh, whole um, conference. I don't believe they did that last year unless I just missed it. Um, so there was probably, I don't know, I didn't count, maybe 25 group breakers in the room. Now, some of these guys run two, three, four, five deep. So, you know, how many how many total breakers were in the room, I'm not sure. But some of the big ones, probably the, the guys you know, uh, a lot of the guys you know were in the room. And um, I saw I thought some of the themes, let me hit on some of the themes that, at least from the 30 minutes, that kind of uh, they were going around talking and discussing things that I kind of came off with. Um, group breakers themselves don't make any money breaking transcendent baseball, breaking series one or breaking heritage baseball, or the amount that they make is so little that we're literally talking. You might as well go work at McDonald's flipping burgers. So I thought that was interesting that literally the last, I think this, those are the last three baseball products that have come out transcendent series one or heritage, at least bigger ones. And these guys all don't make any money on it. The million card rip party that you guys probably heard about earlier this month in February in Dallas, it was, uh, you know, from the th- group breakers that talked about it and that were there, they said it was kind of good promotion for there, for them. I, I actually think the promotion really was way better for Tops, uh, but it was a marathon event for both Tops and the br- group breakers involved. I mean, it was an all day event just to break the cards, let alone sort pack and ship and then travel home. Uh, with travel expenses involved, uh, it wasn't a money-making venture for the breakers. They didn't go there, break 16 cases and make 10 racks, um, cause they had to travel and it just took a long time when they were sitting there, you know, basically doing a marketing event for tops. They weren't breaking, you know, the one card, one pack panini product that you can get people to buy into. And it's a lot easier to kind of handle for the group breakers. So they literally, you know, the million, I want to emphasize a point there. They literally got on a plane, flew to Texas, and did a marketing event for Tops for free. 
So carry right. on. They paid for the flight. Yeah, Grubergers had to pay their own travel there. It looks like they got helped out with a hotel room. They had to pay for the product. Now, they, I'm sure they got it at whatever, uh, you know, the, the factory cost or whatever, the wholesale cost. They broke it. They were there till 2 a.m. They had to take it all back, sort it, and lost money. Now, could you say, well, we got some promotion out of it and new customers, and in the long run, it was kind of a win for us? I guess, but you're not going to be able to measure that tangibly. It was a marketing event for Tops, and these group, these group breakers fall hook, line, and seeker. If you know, Tops tells them to jump, they just say how, how high for whatever reason. And again, Transcendent is kind of the same idea. The, the Tops guy was like, you know, we make Tops Transcendent baseball for you guys. And literally every single group breaker was like, yeah, this is a trash product. <laughs> but these dorks still open it. It sold out. They made like 60 cases the first year, 87 the second year, and 100 the next year. They keep making more cases, and these guys keep buying it. But they don't make any money on it. There was not one group breaker that was like, we make money. There was one group breaker who was like, we lose customers opening Tops Transcendent Baseball. And you might be thinking, wait, that, wh- why does, wh- wait, what? Well, one, it's a $20,000 product. So that sucks out all this money that would have went to this Panini product and this Tops product and this and this grab bag and this raffle and all this kind of stuff. All that money gets sucked out one product. And so one guy gets a pass, one guy gets a cut signature, and then uh, 85 guys get a Wade Boggs autograph or that equivalent to that. So you got two people happy, 85 people who feel burnt because they just spent $200 because remember, it's a $20,000 product with like 150 items in it. So each spot is like 400 bucks. If you buy into a, quote, transcendent break. Two people end up happy. Everybody else is pissed. And they just wasted all this money. So that's how you could lose customers. Your customers are mad. They spent all this money. You broke this product that they didn't like. And then they go elsewhere. Or they leave the hobby. So transcendent is really bad for him. Series 1 is really bad for him because it's a base-heavy product. If you're shipping all the cards, it just doesn't make any sense. Heritage Baseball, I think one of the group breakers was like, you know, the hourly rate on that is like, you know, $5 an hour or something like that or something insanely low. So that product doesn't work. They, they would like to see Tops make a breaker-friendly Heritage a baseball, you know, skew or, you know, make it more, you know, that kind of breaker-friendly product or, or, or so forth. These guys are another takeaway. These guys are very concerned about being liked. Not only uh, uh, obviously online and then their stream and kind of keeping the positive vibes in there, but also they want to be liked by each other. Like three or four different guys mentioned how, hey, it's awesome how we all like each other. I thought that was just interesting. I don't know if that's exactly true. Or if that's really the honest truth. But, I, you know, these guys are very, 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 very concerned about being liked. They just want to be liked. It's almost more important to them to be liked than it is to make money. And we see examples of that. They open Transcendent. They open Series 1. They go to this Tops Million Card Rip Party as a marketing event for Tops and pay their own way to be there. They'll still bust Heritage. These guys are the bitches of the industry. They're the lowest level rung of employees that you could get. They're literally at the bottom of the totem pole. They think they're at the top. 
they think they're doing this important work and this important kind of thing for the hobby. They're, they're nothing but slaves to tops. They're nothing but slaves to Panini. They don't get guaranteed allocation. They get manipulated, I'm sure, on the distributor end when it comes to allocation and getting product. These guys basically have kind of fueled the growth of the industry by willing to work for pennies on the dollar. I, I sat there and was thinking to myself, if these guys put... Now, a lot of these guys are having to, to build out 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 6,000 square foot offices and break rooms and hobby shops. If these guys put this much energy, this much money, this much investment into just flipping baseball cards over the last few years or doing a variety of things, I honestly think the, the smartest people in the group breaker room were the people who have hobby shops and the breaker business is just a side business. These are usually right. older shop owners who have a son or have an employee who's younger and who's into this stuff, and who handles all this stuff. I think Jaspie's Hobbyland is an example. Again, you can think what you want about his breaks, his pricing, his knowledge, his this, that, and the other thing. I don't give a fuck. I've never watched his videos. The sense that I get is that he has a pretty successful hobby shop. That's a part of his business, and he lets his son or his kids run this breaking side of his business. There was another older gentleman, same idea. He said, you know what? My distributor or somebody was telling me I need to get into this a few years ago. I hired somebody. He sit, the, the older gentleman sits there, does the breaks. But this other kid does all the work for him, does the production stuff, does the sorting and all this stuff. Because this guy's got other, he's got other ways to make money. There are group breakers. The only way they make money is breaking product live on a webcam. And they've already just admitted the last three baseball products that have come out, they don't make money on. So you want to be a group breaker, huh? To me, if these guys spent all this time, money, investment into just a broad sports card business, a shop, a single card business, selling everywhere, sell, you know, really hustling, and then three nights a week, you did breaks. Or, to me, or that's breaks a was like a liquid. You know, you have, t- you know, you got a case of this product through other means. You can only sell, you know, two boxes or something, and so you used breaks as a way to move through some product uh, that that w- that was a little bit more difficult through through other channels uh, for you. But yeah, like you said. Um, you know, you could be se- you could be selling by the pack. You could have your own. You know, you could be uh, selling in, in in a number of different ways. Um, you could be selling on Amazon. You could be selling on uh, your own website. You could have created your own uh, group break marketplace uh, website. You know, which I think it would be a, a pretty good idea. Um, so that you know, like you said, I think these guys these guys win and work for tops for free. They show up at the national and pretty much work for free. When Panini has a Panini has what their VIP party, but you have to buy 
uh, $10,000 with a product that hasn't been moving. So you have to buy, you know, this year it'll probably be a lot of football that didn't move. Um, and so you have to buy through all this stuff that hasn't been selling uh, in order to go to a party to have some silver packs that a lot of these guys end up giving away. And I think, like you said, a lot of these guys, it's weird how, yeah, they all kind of fall under a, a you know, there's kind of a demographic of a breaker, a guy that really kind of uh, needs that, needs people to like them, needs the stream to be filled up and have people praising them and thanking them. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people don't get what we do here on Sports Card Radio because we're actually the opposite. We don't want you to like us. We don't want you to uh, praise us. In fact, when people praise us, I tend not to uh, elevate that. I tend not to to highlight that. Uh, I tend to highlight when people talk shit on us and people talk trash on us um, because I actually think that's a more unique uh, thing to have happened to you in this hobby. Um, it's pretty easy to give away a couple cards here and there to do some breaks and ship them out on time and not be a scumbag. And people are going to, to I mean, shit, some of these guys are breaking, uh, uh, you know, heroes of sport. And, 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 you know, we had 20 guys on our Facebook page yesterday uh, defending these guys that, that opened up a, a career, a career criminal, a guy that's a criminal, a guy that's a scammer in the hobby. And people are defending these guys that, uh, that took this guy's product in. And it kind of make, legitimized them again and kind of actually broke open the whole uh, trimming, you know, a lot of the trimming uh, scandal really, uh, like the origins of it, a lot of it started with the Heroes of Sports, the Heroes of Sports uh, breaks that happened uh, through a couple of breakers. So I think, yeah, there's this kind of neediness to want to be liked by the community, wanting Tops and Panini to kind of recognize you, but... It, lost in all that is a lot of like, you know, what kind of business are you running when you are flying all the way to Dallas, Texas and being put up in a conference room and working, well, you know, what, like you said, till two in the morning. And, and that was just breaking the carts. Okay. Now you got to sort it all, pick, pack and chip it. You know, how long does that take? And, and, and you made no money doing that. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I mean, this is like, it's you know like you said these guys are like the immigrant and this is i'm not uh, trying to offend any of these people it's just like being an immigrant laborer where you come to america to come live the american dream and you get sent out on some humid farm in 110 degree weather with a a jug of water and you're picking strawberries i mean that's literally what these group breakers are doing they've come into the hobby they're living the American dream in the hobby. And these guys, the last three baseball products that have come out, they haven't made money. And I know for a fact, these guys probably didn't make really any money at all breaking football this year. And if you got basketball, yeah, you probably made a little bit of money on it. But, you know, what, what good has it, has it done you? And these, the, you know, the, the companies like Top make this uh, Top's transcendent product. And it costs $25,000 or whatever it is. And it sucks all the money out of the economy. Now, if I wasn't so lazy when the first time Transcendent came out, I had a whole podcast about this. I totaled up the amount of money that Transcendent was going to cost the community. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe, I think it was like over a million dollars. And it was like, hello, hello. 
If you're going to break all this product over a two or three month period, you are going to suck all the money out of your customers. I don't care if, you know, Capital One and MasterCard and Visa are their best friend. At some point, you you run into a limit. Um, and I, I don't think these guys really think a lot of that through. Um, and if they do, it's years later. It's two, three, four years after Transcendent has come out and they've got Transcendent WWE. They got Transcendent Tennis now and they've got Transcendent uh, Star Wars. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, you you should have thought about this the first day the, the product got announced. Was like, hey, this sounds kind of cool, but... You know, am I going to suck all the money out of out of the my community of people that buy into my breaks? And like you said, I think the lane, if you want to be a group breaker, having it be a hobby, you know, you have your job, your wife has a job or whatever it is, wherever your situation is, and then you do a couple breaks on the side. That's fine. Or maybe think of another way to do it. If you think you might want to own a hobby shop one day, you think you might want to get into that, you might not be uh, ready to take that step right now. Well, one good way to build up allocation and build up kind of experience in the industry is be a breaker for a year or two. Break some cards, get to know what sells, get to know pricing, allocations, uh, product cycles, things like that, supply and demand. And, you know, you could do that for a year or two and then open up a hobby shop or open up a, another avenue to make money. But these guys, I mean, I had, it was like 30 days ago, I had some dumbass on Twitter uh, for half the day telling me, oh no, these guys make lots of money. These guys, you know, Rich Layton and uh, Platinum Sports, they do two or $3 million a year and at, at 20% margin, these guys are killing it. No, they're not making that money. On a lot of product they open, they're not making any money or they're making four or $5 an hour. Because they have somebody sorting it in the back. So, or they're really just doing it to, to like you said, kind of be liked. It's kind of a, the, 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 you know, the routine that they've gotten into. And in business, especially in sports cards, you constantly got to be changing. You, you, know, uh, you know, the best businesses, the best run businesses are constantly changing, constantly evolving. The ones that sit back and say, hey, I got it, you know, that's like Blockbuster and that's like, you know, Mervin's or some of these, you know, companies that have kind of come and gone in, in business or Sears is probably a better example. So, you know, you constantly have to be changing. Sports Card Radio is a great example of that. You know, over the 12 years we've been around here on the podcast, the podcast and kind of the content and kind of the stuff we talk about, and, and you know, it's changed. And in another 12 years, it'll change again. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're not able to do that, you won't be around. That's why there's so few people in this business that are around year after year after year because, uh, you know, being able and willing to adapt is probably the greatest skill uh, in business. And and that's where I think most people uh, fail when it comes to that. So, you know, just to highlight the last three baseball products that have come out, Transcendent, Series 1, and we got, I think I just heard the UPS guy uh, pull up. He's dropping Heritage off on my door right now. Uh, you know, they're not making money on this, okay? And Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones, I was looking at the resale value 
I don't know again uh, the the profit margin on a break and how well those those breaks are filling, but just based on the what the secondary market for twenty nineteen football Panini football it's a disaster. This year was a disaster, disaster, especially when you compare it to basketball, which has been an absolute home run. So if you got a full allocation of basketball, you've probably made a little bit of money there. But you know, is it enough to pay? you know, pay rent and pay all your employees and pay insurance and all the other things that, that, that revolve around having a, a thousand foot, 2000 square foot place with the, you know, payroll taxes, you know, Bernie Sanders, is, uh, if he gets elected, boy, that payroll tax, he's going to levy on you guys. Would, uh, sure. Actually socialism, cool. if you open a box of cards, it really all that value and all that money really should go to the government. So there actually is no value in opening cards in, in, in eight months when, when Bernie Sanders becomes president, because you, you know, when you pull a $10,000 card, that is not for you to keep. You really need to turn that over to the right. government to be redistributed to all the other collectors out there. So look forward right. to look forward to that, uh, in, in eight months. So, um, so I think, you know, I think it's the, the group breakers are literally like the immigrant worker or, you know, they're like the cashier. They're like they're like the um, you know, they're like the people in the blue vest at Walmart, you know, you know, they're the cart boy at the grocery store. That's where these guys are in this thirsty. hobby. Yeah, and they're like thirsty about it. They're like the overeager intern who's like working for free and thinks thinks the world's ahead of them and like, oh, I'm gonna make it big. And it's like, son, you're gonna get squashed. Like, yeah. you know, half of you guys don't make any money on this shit. You know, and the other half are literally just working for tops or working for panini. Right. That's basically what you're doing. Or the distributor. You know, and or the well, th- this goes back to wanting to be liked. So when a distributor calls you and is pushing this stuff on you. You don't say no because you want to be liked. Yeah. When Tops tells you to come out to the Million Card Rip Party, you should say no, but you don't because you want to be liked. And you kind of want to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, you know, why they all like each other and want to hold hands with each other, I don't, you know, I don't really know. Another big concern that they bring up quite often, at least when they're all in a group setting, is how they get scammed. And, how, you know, it's kind of ironic how, you know, the chargebacks and how that is a concern. That's certainly a big concern for... Most of the biggest group breakers that you know of, the guys you quote think are big, like the things those guys think about every day are not pulling the one-on-one hits for you guys and and the little sticker over the one touch. It's the chargebacks they're going to get. It sounds like that's like 2 to 5% of their business. So you can basically take their sales and then 2 to 5% of that goes poof for either chargebacks or some kind of chargeback insurance or some kind of chargeback uh, kind of service that then fights to get some of that money back for them or guarantees some of that money back for them. So payment processing and chargebacks, like, well, I, I guess if you think payment processing and chargeback, that's probably like five to 10% of these guys' business. Easy. 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 So that's what people don't, they, they see these guys open and transcended. No, the, uh, so-and-so Leighton opened 10 cases of transcended. He's got uh, $2 million coming in. Uh, well, 10% of that is payment processing. He didn't make any money on, on the other stuff. And then when he flew out to the party, he he had to buy all those expenses. Right. And I know he was dropping like 10 racks on those on the Mike Trout party. The Mike Trout uh, party was like the worst one to go to. 
because it was $10,000 and you got a Mike Trout set of, of 80 cards that were worth 10 bucks each. You got no rookie cards. You got no good autographs. These guys aren't making any money. They're yes men. They want to be liked. They're going down this very narrow business path, some of them. Whereas, honestly, I think the ones that are doing it right are the blowout cards that one, you know, to, to give praise to Tom Fish, one segment of his business is are these group breakers or whatever. I think he has a couple of them, maybe, that break cards for him. DA Car World, Jaspie's Hobbyland. There's some other, you know, old-timers that are doing this. They have a shop. They sell online. They're a single-card dealer. They probably sell supplies. They probably have a large eBay account. Maybe they sell on Amazon. Steel City might they're be another pulling, one that Steel I see. City. Yeah, they're pulling business from multiple channels. They are a card dealer. A lot of you guys are just, you know, a webcam star. In any downturn in the business, I love what the Tops GM said. He said, you know, when there, when there's when there is a downturn in the business, we want to make sure that it's just 5, 10, 15% slip, not a 20, 30, 40% slip. If the coronavirus takes over the United States, a lot of you guys, you know, the first thing people are going to be doing is stop buying group breaks. Can you handle a 30, 40, 50% slip when Bernie Sanders gets elected? And taxes go through the roof. Everybody stops hiring. All the rich people fucking scare everybody into a recession. Are you going to be able to take a hit in your business? You're going to have to pay your sorters and your shippers $15 an hour. Plus payroll tax. Plus payroll tax and plus you're going to have to pay for their, basically pay for their health care as well. So you're going to have to pay them $15 an hour and pay for their student debt and pay for their college. Yep. So remember, that's coming down the pike. Here very soon in November, that if Bernie Sanders gets elected, this whole country goes into a recession and you can you can come back and play this back in November or January. Every single group breaker right now should be voting for Donald Trump. I can 100 <laughs> percent. I'm dead, dead serious, dead serious. You guys are screwed if Bernie gets elected. Well, they can vote for whatever they want. But, um, you know, I think the point is, I think he made a good point. I was actually talking to somebody, uh, somebody messaged me on uh, Seeking Alpha, which is an investing website that I occasionally uh, publish articles. The last one I published on was Collector's Universe, which is a parent company of PSA. And a guy that works for Bank of America um, messaged me and wanted to talk to me on the phone. And we talked for, I don't know, about an hour and a half or so about, he didn't know a lot about the card industry. So he knew a lot about... PSA's financials because he's you know he's an expert at, at reading those things, but he didn't know um, kind of what was going on with this trimming stuff. And I actually contacted him the other day when the when the the class action lawsuit was filed. But uh, one of the things we initially talked about was you know what's fueling what is fueling this uh, you know that we have these cards selling for record amount of money, and it seems like all these products are selling out, and it's it, you know. 
Luka Doncic cards and and all kinds of you know different Zion Williamson cards and and Ronald Acuna cards. They're selling for lots and lots of money, and people are really thirsty to get them graded and things like that. And he asked me what I think thought was fueling that, and I said I think it's pretty simple. I think the economy is pretty good. I think a lot of people, if they 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 have a not only do they have a job, they're very confident that they'll have that job in the future or that they'll be able to go get another job if they needed to. Uh, but I also think it's all credit. I think, you know, most people that are buying into these breaks, and I could be wrong, they're 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 not using cash that they have on hand. That's why we did a show. Uh, the last show was about setting a budget in, in the hobby. I think most people are racking up their Chase and their Visa and their Discover and their City Card, and they're racking it up uh, all the way as high as high as it possibly can go. And so I think that's fueling a lot of this uh, as well. And I think the minute we see some tightening, either in the credit markets, the job market, or they're actually related uh, fairly closely, you see any tightness there. Uh, and it could be coronavirus, could be. Uh, a different president uh, with different ideals being elected, things like that, could trigger all these uh, all a kind of tightening. And if your business model revolves uh, solely around getting on a webcam and breaking, um, it's it's just not a a diverse business. It's also very difficult to scale this. This is a uh, you know when group breaking uh, was initially starting to get kind of hot and guys were into it and they were like we're gonna you know we're gonna take over the hobby. Uh, we talked about how how extraordinarily difficult it is to scale this business. Okay, there's only certain amount of hours in the day, for one thing, but also certain amount of hours in the day that you can actually be breaking. Can you break at eight thirty a.m. on a Monday? I I don't know. I I, I doubt it. The mo- most breakers that I see are breaking in the evening. So you can only legitimate. I mean, I occasionally will see Steel City and, and DA, and I'm sure some of the larger ones will break midday or whatever, two o'clock in the afternoon. But in general, there's only a very small, you know, you can't be breaking at 2 a.m., you know, 2, 3, 4 a.m. In the, in the morning. It, it, just, it doesn't work. And so this, uh, you know, the breaking business is, um, in general, not a very scalable business. Okay. Is sports card radio working and making money at two thirty, three, four AM? Probably is Ryan's beanie baby website working and, and making money at, at every hour of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Do I have websites that make money 24 hours a day, seven days a week? including holidays. Yeah, of course. You know, I didn't, we didn't go from being broke 10 years ago to flashing uh, Rolexes because, you know, we started some unscalable business. So we're giving out really valuable advice on here. But again, this is to a lot of you. This is not for the cr- current group breakers. The current br- group breakers suffer from kind of this millennial a disease that care more about the likes that you have on Facebook, the amount of views you have, the amount of clicks that you get. Uh, clicks might be a little bit different, but views, likes, likes, uh, followers, Being liked. Uh, respect, guys. 
that makes uh, about as much money as somebody that's flipping burgers at McDonald's. So what I care about, what you care about, and hopefully some younger listeners or people that are fresh into this business want to make some money will learn from all this is that start a business that is scalable. Uh, quite frankly, I think a diverse business where, like you said, you have some of these guys that, uh, like I've seen Still City have athletes come in and sign, you know, whatever, a thousand autographs or whatever, and they'll sell, they'll put them on helmets and, and jerseys and, and they'll sell those in their store. Um, I've seen pictures of DA Cardworld's um, store and there's T-shirts and jerseys and hats and all, you know, they're, they, they are far more than uh, a card shop at this point. Uh, Blowout Cards has a forum, uh, which they probably used to make uh, more money on uh, maybe six, seven years ago. They were probably making very, very good money uh, six, seven years ago. They probably still making uh, relatively uh, decent money on the forum. We're talking about content here. Uh, for blowout cards, um, and they sell boxes and they have breaks and things like that. So I think having a diverse spectrum of ways to make money is certainly a, a good idea. I agree. Anything else to uh, talk about? Uh, you know, now that we've compared uh, group breakers to immigrant labor and, uh, you know, really, you know, I think the, be the best example was that million card rip. These guys literally picked up all their stuff, shut down their business. I mean, they literally had to shut down basically the rest of what's going on. I mean, I'm sure other products are coming out or there's in stock of probably all this football that you can get your hands on. And these guys shut it all down to go do a promotional event for Tops. For free. And in probably most cases, actually had to pay. These guys literally had to pay to go do a promotional event for Tubbs. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unreal. And they made their customers pay, okay? Not only did they pay with their time and their lost profits on the million card break, but also you've got to factor in what they lost on if they would have broken football that, that week and made a profit. And then their customers had to pay. And their customers might have racked up two, $300, maybe ran through their budget of breaks until another payday or, 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 or you know, room on the visa come, comes available. So they literally had their customers pay to do a promotional event for Tops where they didn't make any money. Guys, absolutely foolish, absolutely stupid, and probably... Uh, you know, again, one of the many, many reasons why uh, there are so many guys that come to our, our Facebook page, uh, especially that, oh, you know, why are you talking shit on these guys? Or, you know, they almost seem like confused why we're talking shit on these breakers. Guys, you guys are like, you know, a poop stain in underwear. I mean, that's about, you know, that's about where you are in this hobby. The distributors and the manufacturers are basically just using you guys like the little bitches that you are. Uh, and I and we've called it from the beginning. We've said uh, this has been a consistent theme on the show when we talk about breakers. 
that your guys' business is not scalable, that your guys' business model isn't very profitable, and that you do a lot of promotion for likes, respect, followers, and where does it where has it gotten you? Did Joe Odell comment on your Rolex Daytona? Did you drive a Tesla to the event? No, you didn't. <laughs> so that's where you guys are. We here at Sports Car Radio don't care if you like us. Don't want you to follow us if you don't want to. Don't need your respect if you don't want it given to us. In fact, we probably get more mileage out of the disrespect we get. And where has it gotten us? Okay. I have not worked uh, a day that I haven't had to over the last 10 years or so. So it's been a beautiful experience. And I certainly would never show up for tops and work for free. That's for damn sure. Any other comments on the Tops Industry Conference? No, I think that's about it. Uh, you know, good good thing to go to if you if you've never been or want to go to it, or you know, again, a uh, a breaker, or a shop owner, or whatever your your business is. Hopefully, it's a you've got some breath to it, and uh, yeah, definitely worth going to. Definitely worth going to, and I would agree with that. I mean, it's something that I will hopefully um, make it to at some point. If it, you know, lines up with spring training, so it actually would be kind of a cool family trip. You know, you're there for a week, catch a couple games. My kids aren't quite old enough to really do all that, but in, in the future, they'll get a little bit older, and uh, you know, going to games and stuff would be really exciting uh, to them. And, and a spring training game is actually kind of nice. You know, you can show up for four or five innings. Your kids start getting tired or whatever. You can pick up and leave. Or, you know, you go to a, like a regular season game, uh, especially for us, the traffic and stuff in and out of San Francisco uh, really only makes it worth it if you're going to stay for the whole experience and things like that. Um, so totally worth it. Uh, I think some of the insight uh, that uh, you shared certainly would be w- would be worth it. Um, but uh, you know, if you're if you're just looking for followers and likes and respect in this industry, guys, I don't think you need to travel all the way to Arizona for that. If that's all you want, in, 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 you know, from your business, from what you're doing, uh, quite frankly, I think you should just stay at home and stay on your webcam and be breaking cards. Uh, as as often as you possibly can. I wouldn't do any, I wouldn't do the VIP party with Panini. I certainly wouldn't do a million card rip of a product that uh, that takes as long as Series 1. I mean, I remember last year I opened up a case of Jumbo and regular of Series 1, and I, it took me like two days, and I was, I was like, I was like grumpy at the end of it. I was like, God, this fucking sucked. You know what I mean? Like, it was like painful. And I wasn't doing it on camera, and I didn't have to pack and ship everything. So I can only imagine if you had to do that. Just a miserable, would be a miserable experience. And now we got Heritage, and these guys are going to do it all over again. Like, literally, these guys are going to do it all over again. And know that they're going to lose money. And know they're going to. And I think the next product, just off the top of my head, I want to say, like, the next four, really, you don't get, like, a breaker, what I would consider a decent breaker product in baseball. Until maybe about Bowman. And that's not for another couple months, I want to say. I think you have Ginter comes out usually. 
um, after Heritage, or they might have switched the the release dates on some of these things. But um, and I think you have pro debut that that shows up kind of early. But uh, no, there's not really a lot of uh, really attractive products in the baseball side, uh, at least from a breaker perspective, until later in the season. And even then, how many cases of triple threads are you getting? How many cases of, uh, I mean, I don't know, gold label or whatever uh, are you getting? Not, not that many, probably. So, yeah, that's why I think if you're into tops, tops baseball, there's probably better ways to do it. I've made money just buying this stuff, putting it in a closet, and then uh, wholesaling it out to either other breakers out there or uh, DA Card World. Um, four, five, six, seven months later, I've probably made, I, I've probably made a 30, 40, 50% margin on the stuff I bought, just buying it, holding it, and then selling it really at a whole, more of a wholesale price too. I mean, if I put it on eBay and things like that, I probably could, could make a little bit more, but it, it would take a little bit longer, a little more effort to sell it. So, uh, you know, there's that for you guys. I think there's money to be made in Topps Baseball. I don't think you have to sit there on a webcam and, and massage the cards all day long. So that's about it for today's show. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back again some other time, some other place. But for now, we are out of here. <laughs>